Hello, everyone, and welcome to the commentary track for Cylon episode 102, uh, an embrace, an impasse, and an invitation. Uh, with me today to talk about the show is uh, the completely delightful Alyssa Kay. Alyssa, say hello. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Alyssa Kay, and I am calling in from uh, Tacoma, Washington, uh, and I played Lady Ada Lovelace in Cylon. Thank you. And we also have the very talented Marina Kleinpeter. Say hello. That's me. Hi. I'm Marina Kleinpeter, and <laughs> I'm in Seattle, and I play Kate Warren. Yay. In the Secret and Impossible League. That's correct. Uh, and uh, last but definitely not least, we have um, our Mr. Pinkerton, Mr. Troy Lund. Say hi, Troy. Hello. Hi. Hi, hi. everybody. Uh, yes, I um, I played Pinkerton, and it was fun. <laughs> uh, and I forgot to say that I'm Darian Lindell, and I am the um, the writer and uh, executive producer of Cylon the Radio Play and all things Cylon related. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so um, I would love to just give you a chance to talk about how you came to be involved with this project. The first one, and then maybe this actual radio show one, uh, and maybe why you keep saying yes when I ask you to do things. So um, what do you think? Alyssa, you want to go first? Sure, I'd love to go first. Um, I guess, I mean, I came to this project, I think, through the originally through the casting call. Um, I know that you know some folks at various points had been involved in the early uh, reads of the script, and I uh, I wasn't part of those. Um, but I think when I saw the description of this show and all the characters who were in it in the casting call, I was like, yes, of course, that's the thing I want to audition for. Um, I, I knew of the character of Ada. I mean, the, the sort of the historic personage of Ada, I should say, um, just sort of generally, I think I'd heard of her. Um, but I didn't I didn't know like a ton, not as much as I certainly know now. Um, but I knew enough to know like that would be a really cool sort of person and the idea of playing them in a uh, playing her in a, in a strange kind of sci-fi theater scape sounded amazing. I think at the time I also expressed interest in um, in your character, Marina, because like she just sounds like a badass. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I think I when I when I first saw the posting, I was like, I don't know, but there's a lot of cool ladies in this play, and I would be happy reading for any one of them. Um, so I uh, yeah, I was just delighted to. The, I remember the audition process being really fun and really excited to then get cast and. And then so excited that that you ended up putting together this um, radio play version, Darian, because I know all of us loved the live show so much. And it was really great to get to revisit it, especially in our strange pandemic space where we were also sort of isolated and not doing a lot of theater. Yeah. Um, as far as why I keep saying yes, you know, I think Darian, I think your writing is absolutely brilliant. I loved how smart this show is and how fun and how much heart it has and it just has like all the things that I love in in a piece of theater um and and yeah you just you just make a really fun world for us to play in so why wouldn't I say yes to that well gosh that makes me happy thank you <laughs> uh how about you Troy uh I got uh, I don't want to say roped in, but um, <laughs> uh, I got involved. You can say roped in. It's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it. anything live girls, I always am like, yes. Um, and then especially I was like, wait, live girls and Darian Lindell? Yes. Um, and a lot of that 
probably came from originally, honestly, 1448. Um, I think that's how like a lot of people in this theater community found each other, which if you don't know, is a theater festival that happens in Seattle. And it's such an awesome way to meet so many people. And I started working, doing, uh, doing the quickies, the, the shorts festivals with live girls, both as an actor and as a sound designer got to know Megan really well. Um, and then when she asked me, I was in, I think one of the very original that um, you guys were talking about it in the last commentary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the Mountain Baker community center, September, 2012, uh, one of the very, very first readings. Um, and I, I grew up watching a lot of Westerns. My, my family, my, my grandpa was like red Western, like pulp fiction novels and, and comics. Um, and my dad was a big Western fan. So I, as soon as the word Pinkerton got thrown around, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me dig into that. Uh, because there's such a rich history of, of the Pinkertons, um, and, and what he did, which is like, in some stories, the Pinkertons are the bad guys, you know, um, mm -hmm. and, and just, so just depending on, on, on the point of view, everyone has a very specific, uh, opinion of, of Pinkerton and his, 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 his crew that, that, that he, that he eventually created. So, yeah, I just, um, I was excited to keep being invited back for all of the different readings and iterations and, um, and then to get uh, uh, offered the role uh, and then do it was was fantastic. Now, he, his his arc kind of ends at the end of episode one. Uh, so, uh, you know, we probably won't see Pinkerton again, but uh, oh, you don't know. They involved somehow or another, you know, maybe there'll be some sort of ensemble thing uh, where we can bring back different actors as different characters. I don't know. <laughs> only the noosphere knows only the noosphere knows it's true <laughs> that's where the play comes from <laughs> uh all right your turn marina uh so yeah i um got involved i okay i graduated from college in may of 2017 and i moved to seattle in june and this was my first audition out of college so i was like brand new and fresh and like didn't know what I was doing. It was just like, people want to cast me in a thing. Okay. Um, and that was how I got involved. Um, so I had no idea that like I got to the first like workshop because we did some workshops before we actually started rehearsals. Um, and everybody was going around introducing themselves and they were like, I've been involved with this for the last like seven years. And I was like, I moved here two months ago. <laughs> um, and I also didn't, know anything about Kate Warren. Um, in fact, I remember telling my friends, I think maybe after I got cast, that I was like ashamed that I hadn't fully done my research and didn't realize that she was a real person. Um, so um, yeah, that was exciting. But I know who she is now. Still yes. don't know a whole lot about her because there's not a whole lot that's known about her. Um, but I've like picked up mm -hmm. some pieces from different things here and there, which has been really awesome. And then um, I keep saying yes, because I don't know, this is, I guess, because it was so early on 
that this was like my family, like my little Seattle theater family. And I was always like, yes, please let me go play with them again. These are my friends. This is, this is such a good time. And I like am friends with Kate and I get to catch up with her again every like once a year, which has been so much fun. So that's, that's why I'm Yay. here. Marina, <laughs> I love that you say that. Cause I think that's true for a lot of us, but like a, a, this, group of people who put this show together we were so close-knit um mm-hmm. I feel like we all you know we all got along so well we, there was such a great chemistry in the cast and and with you Darian and with Megan our director and you know mm-hmm. it's just just a great group of people that we really made something special and I think that's we keep but also I think because we all developed this great relationship with our characters um mm-hmm. too like I, I feel the same way about Ada whenever I see her name anywhere I have this weird like <laughs> Like are they, oh they're talking about me no they're yeah, not I know about me. They're about a historic person <laughs> I am not like I don't own that character but um but somehow I feel really connected to to <laughs> that person and, and her life yes, exactly in a totally special way <laughs> and and everybody all around like the actors and the designers and everyone else was um was just so uh like all in on the just the the whole thing the concept, the um, the world building, like we spent, it it was interesting process because it's probably by far the most time and effort that I, I've at least personally I've ever spent on a project, um, building the world as opposed to like rehearsing your blocking and picking up mm-hmm. your cues and all that stuff. We spent so much time just like well, what, what does that mean? And how does that work? And well, okay. in this other scene, uh, you know, in act one, it works this way. So creating all of the, like the, the, the way that the bollards work and the, the way that just the entire universe exists, we spent so much time and effort, um, everybody involved in, in all being on the same page and completely, um, buying into it. So we were all definitely willing to jump, jump on the, uh, jump on the, on the ship with you Carrie, and, and go where, wherever it was going. There's, there's a moment in this episode actually that I remember being in rehearsal. We were like at Seattle, I don't remember. We were in the armory somewhere um, in like this room with a bunch of like broken furniture and just talking about like conceptualizing the noosphere and what it would actually look like and all of these like crazy details and I just remember sitting there like listening to everybody talking and then Megan at the end of it goes okay now your line is oh and I was like uh all of that it was like a half hour conversation into just a word (laughs) that's they know that is like a a really great um way of cap of encapsulating what a lot of the process is like for for me as a writer and then also in the room to just be like no we we need to ground these moments and i think one of the things that i've really enjoyed about making the radio version of it is having to revisit all those moments and reconceptualize them so like in that for instance so much of that oh we'll get to it is what you know was on you to just like what does your face look like what are you imagining when you look around what so that people are then drawn into your visual performance so then having to think about how do I create that oh moment with sound with d- different lines with you know like what is the end and, and then leaning on director uh um Vincent and Paul to to come up with 
um, just like that soundscape and trust, like having to describe to them, okay, this is what this moment is supposed to be. Please make a sound, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and And then just having them and go. Yeah. And have them do that. (laughs) So, um, it's just been a lovely like reminder of the different ways you can you can build a world and like but that having the foundation of um having had all of these so so many conversations helps make those um those connections easier just like in the noosphere i guess <laughs> okay i'm going to i'm going to um set us up and we're going to listen Gotta love all the sound design work that the, the I know. Pendant did. Shout out to the sponsor this audio performance of on. the Secret and Impossible League of I the have to say too that um, by Live Girls Theater. You know, knowing that this this play was always meant to be sort of a serial, sort of serial series of plays and a serial storytelling. Mm-hmm. That even though we only really may have so far made the first play, the fact that then this play gets broken into a serial radio play is so perfect it's it's like the way this yeah. whole story is meant to be told in some ways using novel investigative tactics ingenuity oh here's a sean marie who was the first ada has created an organization of gifted it's so great that she and roy were able to be part of this um recording since they were so instrumental with the early versions of the story that's such a fun little like cameo <laughs> work with law enforcement oh and these advertisements were like a lovely like addition to this just like set you in the world uh, building out the universe and and you know free advertising for my agency (laughs) (laughs) welcome back (laughs) perfect through the power of ideas tonight's episode an embrace an impasse and an invitation is the second in a six-part adventure called the Baltimore plot. Darian, was it to find out what pretty our obvious to you where to break up this uh, this entire uh, episode? Well, where to break up this this entire story into the episodes for the for the the audio drama? When last you heard my voice, it was actually surprisingly easy. Um, I was. It, it um, I was really, I did very, it had to do very little to alter it. Like it just was like, it ended up having like almost the same amount, amount of breaks in it as it would need it, as it needed to have the flow. Like it was like each of the sections had, had an arc to them. And I was, as I was going through and separating them, I was like, well, that works. And that works. And, Wait, is it just going to keep, is it going to keep working? <laughs> It did. As it's supposed to. As you said, the, the full the full play sort of felt that way as well, right? Where there were there's there's some time jumps and and there's it's linear, but there it kind of happens in chunks. Yeah, and each of the scenes too, they often end with some kind of a surprising hook or a, like a. A little moment of suspense so they, they create a really natural place to like cut off and still keep you engaged 10,000 fleets oh, Daniel <laughs> we were talking about this a little bit before but um, I 
I have to say when we were recording this, um, it's, it's so different from when you re usually record voiceover where you're just kind of working on your own with your own imagination. I could hear you all so clearly in my head. There's so many times where I was reading my lines for scenes with, with Daniel and with Sharif who plays uh, Tesla. And um, I just could hear them so clearly. You know, we'd, we'd done this show so many times, we'd rehearsed it for so long. Um, I felt like, you know, I'd just close my eyes and you were all like there with me in the recordings booth it was it was so much easier that way i did have troy with me for part of i love it recording those were like the best scenes too it was like oh this is us let's go hired by the pinkerton detective agency as the world's first female detective aha do you know that that was like that was like the acorn of the whole thing was kate warren like learning about her role in the baltimore plot was like i can write a play about that Mm -hmm. I can write that. <laughs> I want to know who that person is. There's yeah. an X point. I don't remember where Ducky came from. I don't know. I don't know who, where, where that became a thing. Darling, dearest duck. Dearest duck. There, there's so much in the play that is actually historical. You know, you use Darian, you use mm -hmm. so many actual like things that these people wrote or said mm -hmm. as actual lines in the play. But is that that one was kind of an invention? I don't know. It might have been a real thing. <laughs> I honestly have no memory anymore. Like I don't know what it's my line and what's a real line. Why would Babbage be in the Chicago train station in 1856? A better question. What would he gain by preventing Miss Warren from becoming a Pinkerton detective in the first place? Good question. I just love Sharif as Tesla. I mean, I love Sharif, but I also love him so much as Tesla. <laughs> he brought a real um, without more to go on, it'll be difficult. Thoughtful. I have a location. Presence <laughs> to uh, to that role. Yeah, I, I think I think the word that I heard that I really went like yes uh, in the first commentary was um, vulnerability. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I think Megan maybe said that uh, he he brought a real vulnerability to the role of Tesla, which is someone yeah. that you don't necessarily think of that way. And mm -hmm. um, and as soon as she said that, I was like, yeah, yes, that, that was exactly. Nonsense. There's a he loves very me. human element. Trying age. She's to someone that you age. you've and, uh, obviously heard of and also, know about, but don't really know mm. you did there's something i always really loved in the um well, I didn't hear the relationship of the byron ada tesla this little trio and the kind of darian this i think is a lot to you and, and the way you wrote their scenes together the um kind of witty banter between them and the the way that i mean because having you've got um Ada and Byron who often go head to head and then Tesla who creates a great counterpoint to the two of them that just there's such a, a lovely dynamic there um, that's already set up and, and creates so many fun sort of let you see this later in this episode too they're, they're always kind of digging at each other and, and making snide remarks and little you know you can feel like you really get the sense of a, a group of people who have spent like way too much time together stuck on a stuck on a ship in the middle of some sort of strange liminal space and then you throw kate into the midst of that and mm -hmm. um and she becomes the perfect sort of uh proxy for the audience who is sort of equally thrust in the middle of this strange sort of group of people yeah collection I still think of that's intellectuals kate's, yes i still think that's kate's biggest 
like role is just the proxy for the audience. That's like the perfect phrase for her. Because, and even still, I'm like, I have all of the questions. This is how Kate and I are the same person because I like I understand just enough mm-hmm. to like help the audience understand and keep things moving along. Um, and ask all of the questions that the audience probably has as well. And it doesn't feel forced. It's that's what's always the cool thing is there's so much that has to be explained about this whole universe and the way it all works. Mm-hmm. And um, and it doesn't feel heavy handed when you go through the process of discovering all of that through the lens of, of Kate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed that there's a change where um, the anomalies are concerned, where the very first one that happens is the same as it was in the show, where it's like we never sleep. Here's the telegram. Will it do? The other ones were um, visual, visually relayed to the audience, and so we had to kind of. I'm like, oh, I have to come up with what they actually say, and then we have to say it like the railroad police. And my experiments. Right in, in the theater production, there's so many things that we could just kind of quickly, you know, we, we'd already introduced them, so we could kind of quickly go, oh, here's you know, here's another ticket, here's another anomaly, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. here you have to actually be a little more explicit about what's going on. The tether is anchored to Chicago, 1858. Oh, <laughs> she really did such a wonderful job of taking a, a, a character that is such a curiously like neutral and also not at all neutral um mm-hmm. sort of being and and giving it so much like personality and life while still having letting it be you know a little bit uh not robotic exactly because she's got so much more life in her than something that's robotic but you know something that's kind of equally warm and also not quite human i love that x point noise yes thank you my dear What are you looking for, Nicola? I need to know more about the United States in 1858. Look at the bookshelf on the right, third shelf down. Here it is. The ride- sound design in particular is such a, um, it's sort of foreign to me. You know, that's not my my medium that I work in. So mm-hmm. to think of, you know, for a sound designer coming to a show like this, like how do you even begin to craft a, a sound for something that doesn't have any sort of equivalent in the real world? Right. And we had a lot of conversations um, uh, back and forth about like, well, the tether is the tether. And, you know, what kind of sound does that make? What is it? You know, is it um, analog sound? Like, so you can kind of hear there's some rope involved in the stretching of rope in it. But then there's also has to be. So. Mm. <laughs> oh, All right, we, uh, have to, we have to pause because I absolutely have to want pause. to hear Roy and Marina about the kissing noises. <laughs> Well, it's great because if it's one of these time jumps where all of a sudden they go from her being in his office and, and asking for a job to all of a sudden, clearly they're working together and they've <laughs> been working together and they're comfortable enough mm-hmm. to pretend to make out in an alley. Yep. <laughs> all over. Uh, there were so many ways that this was played uh, over time and it, it was played uh, like a love scene at one point. Um, and we were like, well, I don't think it works. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, he's like her dad. I don't think it works. They're rare. I just, they're both into, they're both into their work. Yeah. They're really into their work. 
through here. Or and that's, through. I love that you can see that when like, as soon as um, Mark's character is mm -hmm. gone, they're just like, all right, business. <laughs> like, yeah. Just no, like no reference to what just happened. It just is like, all right, <laughs> this is what we're here for. You stay here. As you wish, sir. <clears throat> Only you could make sir sound so damn condescending. <laughs> They've already, they're already bantering. Yep. Uh, yep. Quite well, Mrs. Warren. I love these, like, uh, this tango music. <laughs> the music is so wonderful. It really just <laughs> creates atmosphere instantly. On the right side of the law. I don't have time for this. Then I'll be brief. I intercepted this telegram. I sort of imagine this now as a synesthetic sort of uh, element to Byron mm. everywhere he goes. There's just sort of like seductive yeah, music following it. I love that <laughs> so much. I think that I'm, that's just now canon. You're right. <laughs> yep. What do you mean? If your employer guarantees the line, then it will be safe. It is imperative that the line remains safe. And what do you want in exchange for this guarantee? I want nothing you wouldn't more willingly part with. Oh, Byron. I've still got my gun, sir. This is a, like a good example of that, like what on stage we can, we can visibly see that Byron is sort of giving her, giving Kate a look and, um, you know, making some, making a sort of a suggestion or, or some sort of suggestive glance um, that we, Consult that by Kate just pointing out that her gun is still trained on him. Or yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Isn't that the question? We're out of time, Mrs. Warren. <laughs> Your hand off of my arm. I promise I'm here to help. Mysterious men may be charming, but they are rarely honest. Mm -hmm. Ain't it the truth? You. You're mm -hmm. not telling me the whole truth. I can see that clearly enough. Then you must also see that you can trust me. Fine, I'll show you. That was the impasse. That was the impasse. How did you... <laughs> There's an opening. The impasse already happened. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Ali. Let it begin. Who are you? Invitation. Next. And find out. I can't just leave. You want to know everything, or don't you? Take my hand. I suppose I never was one for caution. Tally ho! I love that line. <laughs> just for this i'd like to know how many versions of that he uh oh my god actually that would be a really fun that. fun little like just tell you <laughs> over and over maybe we can find Lord that byron i'm sure yes, I, I know as ada i definitely recorded a lot of versions of uh sighs and sniffs mm. oh a lot god. of sort of exasperated sighs <laughs> verbal eye rolling and, and a lot of sniffing so much sniffing <clears throat> duck this is Mrs. Kate Warren of the Pinkerton Detective Duck. Mrs. Warren, I'd like you to meet Lady Ada Byron King, Countess of Lovelace, computer programmer, enchantress of numbers, and my daughter. And then this was Footnote. this was the scene that we kind of jokingly in rehearsal just referred to as exposition. Yeah, yeah this is just like so much explaining. But the exposition scene. But it all I still remember it. See, yeah. it's scene five. It's like weird uh, <laughs> in my memory because it's this one very long scene that includes like everything, all of the world, yeah, all, of, building, yeah. all of our relationships, the explanation of sort of the key plot points up to now, and the main like conflict of the story, just how how the bollards work, everything. Yes, 
And I, I, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, then you this is our Council of Elrond scene. And the little footnotes are make a nice addition to the audio good. drama because, you know, there was all the there was like the big display in the lobby and all the info in the program at the show to explain a lot of the historical context. Um, and so it's the, the, that those little footnotes kind of shoved in there are a nice way mm -hmm. to, to to pass some of that on uh, and keep keep that thread going in this uh audio drama version for for us as actors too you know we spent so much time learning the backstory of our characters and the the history behind the people so all of the all of the real world elements that darian had included in the script and you know the things that she added that these people actually said or wrote um so I feel like that was always a, a piece, this like wonderful dimension that we got to know. And it's nice that the audience gets in, in this format, gets a little piece of that too. I mean, when I say that like Darian's writing is so smart, it's because of that. It's because like the deeper you go into it, the more you realize there's like so much behind it. It's like on the surface, it's like fun, witty banter between these characters who feel really real and relatable. And just that would be enough. But the fact that you the further down you dig, the more it's like, oh no, there's some big ideas behind here and real people who said real complex things. And we are like mashing them all together into this like crazy sci-fi world. Uh, and it works, you know, there's just, there's such a, a great well of material to draw from there. There's a whole Noah sphere. You know Earth <laughs> Read the Bible. <clears throat> Something nice wrote. He really just kept, he just kept going with that. It got so big over time. <laughs> it's fabulous. It's such a great little moment where on stage it was just, it had to be sort of a series of looks and, mm -hmm. and here we sort of figure out a way to verbally convey that. And finally, with the emergence of human cognition came the third phase. Oh, so and such inspirational music. The music is <laughs> so good. It's so good. <laughs> organizes itself into more and more complex social networks the noosphere it really creates a i don't know some like because the way he's you know as tess mm -hmm. is describing this we're starting to get a sense of what is the biosphere and what is the noosphere and, and i love how this music really yeah, sets this and this leading up to that oh moment that we were talking yeah. about this was i'm pretty sure we were in rehearsal for this scene mm -hmm. noosphere is a lie and we're inside it Look out the portal. Oh. My. There it is. The sound <laughs> of the nose. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like that for all of us the first time. In the stage version, oh. though, the lighting was what. Yes, did right. It too. Right. Lest she didn't mean. Let me introduce you to the fourth member of our league. The good ship, Mary Celeste. Oh, so complicated, Mary Celeste. Disembodied, sentient ghost ship. I'll manifest a room for you in the out section. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. Mr. Tesla, <laughs> I love that though. Just there's a voice. <laughs> yes, the ship is talking and is gonna. You know, what? It's. I mean, it's definitely an homage to the computer in Star Trek. <laughs> what about God? Majel Barrett, computer in Star Trek. Can you bring anyone? Well, I'm not sure about anyone else, but um, this is one of the only productions I've ever been in that uh, people specifically came back mm. 
to see multiple times mm -hmm. because they liked it so much the first time, but they were spending a lot of their uh, mental energy throughout the show trying to just keep up. Yeah. So by the time you get to the, the, the end and you kind of under and you grasp the whole entirety of what just happened, you want to come back and see it again. So yeah. it was interesting to see a, a lot of people came back and saw this show uh, more than once. Times. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been a part of a show like that before either. It was. And I still have like friends that talk about this show. <laughs> yeah. More than one Research suggests that about one in I wouldn't be surprised if that were true of the um, this audio play too. It seems like the first time you listen through, you're you're looking taking in so much information about how this world works and uh, sort of all the explanation explanation of, of um, you know what what are the parameters uh, by which we travel through time and and can you know get to the get back to the sort of human plane you know the biosphere and. Um, and what are the rules of, around that? That I think once once you finally get a hold of that, then you can sort of settle into just the story of like who's doing what and who's you know who's got what objective and who's who's uh, stands in the way of that. Um, but yeah, I guess it's true of a lot of sci-fi. I think in general that genre, you kind of have to understand the mechanics of the world before you can just get comfy in it. And so sometimes that takes a couple of yeah. like, a couple of passes. Words, I hear the expanse of human experience behind them. In uh, a combination of in fiction, when you're looking at um, word count or like you know a book, so like in, in just like literature, you're saying like a, a normal book is between is like around eighty thousand words, and like a normal science fiction or fantasy book is like one hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty thousand words, <laughs> because the world building, like you can't just take it for granted. How did you find this place? You know that the the outside looks like the outside. <laughs> This engine opened a connection to Mary Celeste. They're, we're just talking about synesthesia in this mm. part of the scene. And I think mm. synesthesia was a thing that I had heard about before doing this and was part of what drew me to the show. Mm. Um, but like learning more about it and how like all of the different ways, I think I had only ever heard that like people, you know, like hear colors, um, but all of the like, mathematic applications and has i don't know all of the different ways that it can be a thing for people's brains is so fascinating to me yeah like i'm pretty sure i have a roommate who is synesthetic because she is like a human calendar mm -hmm. and that's just i never would have thought of it that way prior to this he only came into the noosphere to bring his when when you find when you sort of that isn't true find out more about it all of a sudden you no. see references to it mm -hmm. yeah. everywhere i was just watching a movie last night and they and they were talking about guy was talking about when he gets into a, a zone like a meditative zone he's able to feel the color of the grass and i was like oh synesthesia yeah yes. that's what that is my actually um through writing this we we my husband and i figured out that he has synesthesia uh, nick has synesthesia yeah he um it's it's part of why he ended up going into music because when he listens to music it's it's always a different color to him like certain kinds of music certain instruments are different colors and so that's what makes him a you know like what what make composing so interesting to him but he never really thought to talk about it because it just he real he recognized a long time ago that wasn't a language other people used to talk about it them can 
fascinating. I know, isn't that cool? That's so cool. I was like, oh, now he can go into the noosphere and I can't. Oh, no. There was a moment earlier in the scene um, where I, when I was listening to it, it was, I think it was when um, Ada and Byron start talking about Babbage. And I noticed that um, uh, there was music added underneath it to kind of intensify the, the like, it's a, it's a moment where the, they sort of start to wormhole on this little conflict and, and I, I seem to recall in the stage production, it was the two of us, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And then Tesla has to kind of bring us back around and we kind of get back into talking with Kate again. Um, so I was curious, Darian, about the the addition of music as an alternative to kind of help, I don't know, raise the stakes in that moment, maybe. And I have to say, I mean, that's all, um, that's all Vincent and Paul. I'm, they'll have to, when we finally get them in the commentary, they can tell us about how they divided that work. But um uh, I would like the, and if I gave any notes at all, it'd be like, this needs to be more, feel more like this, you know? And so like the way that um, they were able to choose stuff to just be like, okay, well, we need it to, you know, elevate the emotions or bring them down or center them or, you know, whatever it is. It's great. It just sets it, it sets it aside or sets it apart in a, in an interesting way that we don't really see on, on stage. Like, it's a it's a tool of, of radio drama that we don't really yeah. get to play with as much on stage but like you can use music to kind yeah. of highlight a little moment and then and then get us back into this other moment using music like again like with the byron yeah. stingo music <laughs> well we just had the um uh, the secret and impossible league of the noosphere where byron like byron came in and gave yes. it and like uh, there's this underpinning of dramatic music that yes so uh, it's great I, because in the stage version of that there's all this like super heavy 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 it's like exposition but it's also really deep and rich and and it's and it goes for a little while and then uh and then there's this moment of comedy that where he says that and then it's like no no we're not calling it no 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 come on and and it was a nice that always got a big laugh and it was a nice nice release but you appear like that was always like them ada and tesla were speaking my own you know uh my own truth there we're not calling it that that name is just ridiculous <laughs> and yes, here we are. we are here we are here we are as long as we are anchored to the biosphere by an object that belongs to that time people see what they expect to see you however and that's an anchor as we are so in the That'll come in handy later on. <laughs> Important. You have it. Fancy that. Lady Loveless. What happened to not recognizing our archaic <laughs> caste system? What am I doing here? Well, what did you scoundrels interpret behind my back? Mm. I remember giving Daniel the dirtiest look there. <laughs> when you say scoundrels, always reminds me of Princess Leia. need to know when we need to know it. The rest is up to us. I think, Marina, the, um, the looks that were exchanged in, in this scene in particular, there's so many yes. places where like someone makes a joke and someone gives them a look and uh-huh. or someone else, someone else laughs. And, and I was, I think that that moment when, uh, when you make a dig at Byron, and then and then Tesla laughs and then there's a whole series of looks that get exchanged around mm-hmm. the stage that always got a big laugh and I feel like moments like that just like kind of live in my memory yeah. every time I'm I'm uh, <laughs> listening to this I can see them it was indeed a pleasure to meet you Mrs. Horn that we just talked over but this moment <laughs> also a look um 
when I gave uh, Tesla the hairpin, mm. I will never forget. There was one performance where I forgot the prop hairpin and I handed him just a bobby pin that I had used to put my hair up. And the look that he gave me of like horror and confusion. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Why are you handing me this? That is one of my favorite like on stage mess ups, I guess, because I realized like 30 seconds before I had to give it to him that I didn't have it. And then just the look that he gave me when I handed it to him, it was, it was gold. What does it mean, Lord Byron? Well, and then it's, it's Abraham Lincoln. It's, it's great that like Kate gets sucked into this world and all of a sudden has her a whole universe exploded and figures out about all this stuff and then just kind of gets thrown back into the biosphere and uh, uh, and all of a sudden is like, boop, and now you're now you're back dealing with uh, uh, just regular old yeah. human people. Uh, good luck. Now go do some stage choreography or some yeah. fight choreography. Yes. Yes. Oh. This uh, oh, wow. the, the crook, the crook, <laughs> oh, the crook gets gets lines in this one. Yes. <laughs> Good job, Mark. I <laughs> love Mark. For live girls theater. This episode was directed Yay. by Vincent Morrison and assistant directed by Paul Brueggemann. Some sound cues created by. Those are all my friends. I know. This production is copyright and we didn't spoil anything. <laughs> hey. hey, we did it. We did Proud it. Proud of us. I forgot about spoiler warning. Oh, well. Get we spoiler did. warning. We, did, you don't need <laughs> we didn't spoil anything. Correct. <laughs> Except that the crook gets lines in the next one. <laughs> yeah. Or search for Pendant Productions wherever you find your podcasts. Oh, this is so much fun. Every time. Yay. I've never done a Cylon something and not <laughs> just had such a great time. <laughs> Me too. Uh, you gotta love uh, Jim French and Imagination Theater. Those guys, yeah. those guys are awesome. They've been doing it for so long. Uh, they kind of kept the audio drama alive uh, during a period, you know, 20 years mm -hmm. ago when really hardly anyone else was doing it, so... Yeah, their production their productions are great and they're also they were just such a lovely um part they were a partner for us uh on this project they made it happen so awesome so thank you jim french imagination theater yay Huzzah. Huzzah. Uh, thank you all so much for joining me i appreciate it so much and i miss you i miss you too miss this you is too. so delightful yes and stop recording bye everyone Bye.